Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. It is by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Today, we're going to talk about a word that God gave me entitled, Build the Boat. And how many know sometimes when you're building what God has called you to build, there's a waiting time before the promise comes to fulfillment. And I think about Noah, who built a boat for a hundred years, waiting on a flood that everyone said would never come waiting on the rains that no one had ever seen. And I know that in your life, there's maybe promises that God has given you and you're still waiting. Well, I wanna tell you today that God is doing something in the waiting season. The waiting season is not a wasted season. And so today in this place, we sung this word and God wanted to encourage you that you may be waiting on the promise, but God is still faithful. You may be waiting on the fulfillment, but God is still working. So today, we're gonna talk about what we're called to build church. What God is calling you to build, me to build, us to build, this church to build. So as you wait on God, I believe he wanna remind us that we keep building. So today as you're seated in this place, I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell him, tell him, it's hammer time. Tell him, it's hammer time. We build in the boat. Tell them, it's hammer time. You can be seated in this place. Come on, give it up for the worship team and, the, and how they just led us in this morning. Man, so good to see you guys. My name is Caleb, and uh, I'm just excited to be bringing the word today. We are continuing a series in the book of Genesis. We started this a few weeks back. If you missed it, um, that's okay. You can jump in today. You, you, you can jump in right now, and I believe God is going to give a word to you in this place. And so as I said, I want to bring a word to you entitled, Build the boat. Build the boat. When I was a kid, I grew up in the church. Um, I'm a pastor's kid, grew up in the church, which means I got a lot of baggage, all right? Church baggage. You feel me if you grew up in the church. Some of you that didn't grow up in the church, you got baggage too. It's just different kind of baggage. Uh, but I got baggage as a pastor's kid. But one thing I remember growing up, I was 10 years old and I got cast to be in a play on Noah's life. And uh, we put on this whole play uh, in front of the whole church, and it was this cute play. And I still remember one of the songs from this play on Noah's life. Here's how it went. I'm going to sing it. It went, Noah, oh, where are you going to go in the middle of a desert with a giant boat? Noah, oh, open up your ears. It's never going to happen in a hundred years, no matter what you say. Noah, no way. I don't know how I still remember this song 31 years later, but I do. 
and I was one of the main characters. Um, and, and I remember putting on this play, and everyone after was like, oh, that was so cute. Great job, kids. Oh, we loved it. There were animals and the ark and the rainbow. But can I tell you something? This story is not a cute story. This story is not this cute little story of animals in a boat and rain and the rainbow. Literally, God kills everybody except Noah and his family. Every living thing on the planet dies. God has to hit the restart button. And so I want to read Genesis chapter 6, because I think so often we come to this story and, and we take it as just this cute little, oh yeah, okay, knowing the flood, like cool. No, 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 we need to dig in to the reality of the depravity of humankind. The same sinfulness, violence, anger, depravity that still plagues us today. So let's read Genesis chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read a few verses. When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for his flesh, his days, shall be 120 years. The Nephilim, everybody say Nephilim, were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them, these were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is what humankind had become. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man who I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons. Verse 11, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence and God saw the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us from your word. You would challenge us as we build what you're calling us to build as your people. Your name we pray. Amen. One of the craziest stories in all of scripture, I believe. One of the most interesting and inspiring people of the Bible in this man, Noah. But I love walking through verses of the Bible and the importance of the word of God because we can't run from any topic. When we walk through a book of the Bible like we are chapter by chapter, you come to things that you would maybe brush over. And what I love about the Bible, it doesn't sugarcoat anything. It gives us the raw, uncut version. Like the Old Testament is rated R, church. <laughs> like for reals, if you really make movies about it, some of this is like, whoa, what is happening? And God gave it to us as it was. He told the full story, which is so powerful for us because it's a reminder that we have to come to God with authenticity. That we can't put on the masks and sweep the, the major things under the rug. We got to talk about it. 
But this person of Noah, so often we look at the Old Testament, we call them characters, Bible characters, the Bible character of Noah, which can I be honest, it bothers me whenever we call them characters. It implies that this is some fictional fake story that doesn't really apply to us. Noah was not a character. He was a real man. And this story is not some fictional made up illustration analogy for us. No, it's something that really happened and we must apply it to our lives. But as I came to this story, and it references it in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, which I read to you when I came out at the beginning today, it tells us that by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events, concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. I felt like God wanted me to just share with you and challenge us that we would build the boat. And I don't know the boat that God is calling you to build today. Maybe it's the boat of your faith and you've been running from God or you've been putting him on the back burner and your faith has been weak and maybe God is wanting you to build the boat of your faith greater today. Maybe it's the boat of your marriage. Maybe it's the boat of your family. Maybe it's the boat of your business plan, of your dream, of the vision you have for your life. But I think that there may be people in this place who have deferred or delayed building things that God has called you to build. And today, I believe God wanted to challenge us and remind us that it's time to pick up the hammer. It's hammer time, church. It's time to build the boat that God is calling you to build for your life. So that's the big question today. What boat is God asking you to build? You see, I believe there's power that comes with building the boat. The first part of that is that building shows your fear of the Lord. This isn't something we talk about church a lot, this idea of fear or fearing God. And yet it says here that Noah, by faith, in reverent fear, built a boat. He responded with reverent fear to God by building what God was asking him to build. Well, what is this idea of fearing the Lord? And why is it so important that we fear the Lord? Why? Because it shows a reverence, a respect, a honor to which God is due, that when God speaks, we act. When God tells us to step out in faith, we step out. Now, I've come to this text, and, and whenever we put it out there to the church, like send in your questions. And we do like a QA and a every time someone asks about the Nephilim. Every single time. Did you guys, were you guys paying attention when I read about the Nephilim? And in church, and I'll be honest, I've never heard a sermon preached on it. Everybody just breezes over it. And we go, built the boat, which is great. But I believe this applies to what's happening here and this idea of fearing the Lord. You see, Noah was 500 years old when God told him to build the boat. And we see here at the start of this text in chapter 6 that God sees the evil of man and he says, I have to shorten their lifespan. He shortens the lifespan of man down to 120 years, it says, which is less now today. And I want you to think about that because imagine people living 500, 700, 900 years Think about the evil we can do in 78 years, which is the average lifespan for a man today. And then multiply that by eight, nine. 
And having that long of a time on this earth is part of the reason that mankind was caught up in the evil they were caught up in. And God saw it and he says, there's no fear of me on this earth. There's no obedience to me on this earth. There's no reverence for me on this earth. And, and so he shortens the lifespan. And, and then we come to this text about the Nephilim, a story or a little segment that is so strange and weird. And we go to the Nephilim, and it says that the sons of God came down and had relations with the, the women of the earth. And What does this mean? And so I've studied it, and I've dug into it. I'm going to do my best to bring a quick explanation because, again, this is a reminder of how easy it is to not fear the Lord, to not obey the Lord. So here's what we know. God, being a, a, a God of communion, a God that loves community, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, loves and values community, he created first divine beings. The Old Testament and the New Testament references them as the divine council. So God, we don't know when he created the divine beings, but we know that it happened before the creation of the earth because they were there uh, in the garden with Adam and Eve. We see Satan has already fallen. So what happens is God creates because he loves community and he wanted people to work with him alongside of him. He creates divine beings. And what happens? Satan, Lucifer, the worship leader of heaven, he rebels against God and a third of the angels go with him. They're in complete rebellion. No fear or reverence for God any longer. And then he creates mankind, but these angels who are in rebellion and, and Satan is loosed upon the earth. But what we see happen here is that the sons of God came into the daughters of man, I meaning they have relations with them, and these women bear children to them. And these are the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown known as the Nephilim. Now, looking at the original language, the word Nephilim literally means giants. So when we look at this, we actually reference that these fallen angels had relationships with human beings, women, and then they gave birth to these powerful giants of human beings who were the men of renown that people uh, in that day knew of. And so what happens is God has to do something to them, which is why we don't see this today. Now, principalities, powers of darkness are still at work on this earth. We know that. We don't battle against flesh and blood. But God actually bound these fallen beings who had relationships with women right after this moment. And let me give you the reference so you know that I'm not just making it up. 2 Peter 2, 4 through 5. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserve Noah, so look, it's connected, a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. So right here we see the story of Noah referenced and that God actually bound these spiritual beings, these fallen angels who had relationships with women. He bound those that did this to hell permanently until judgment comes. It's also referenced in Jude 1, through 6 through 7. It says this, And the angels who did not stay within their position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. This is the second reference to it. So what's it saying? We know that fallen angels are demons are still loosed on this earth today. They're at work. We believe that in this church. But we also see here 
that God bound those who did not maintain their proper position and fell and then had a relationship with women, which was inappropriate, obviously, that created the men of renown, the Nephilim, that no longer exists. Why? Because God bound them so that it would not happen again. So why am I telling you this? Well, number one, because everyone asked me about the Nephilim. <laughs> number two, because it's a reminder that even angelic beings who saw God in all his glory lost sight of the fear of the Lord and fell. And so it's a reminder to us that it is so easy for us in the same way to lose our fear of God. It's so easy for us to walk away and wander away and little by little get caught up in the things of this world and not continue to fear the Lord the way we are called to. Genesis 6, 7, 8, God is sorry he has made man because of the increasing corruption. It says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. One man in all of humanity. I want you to imagine this. An entire planet as people have multiplied and populated and one man fears the Lord. It says that Noah was a righteous man. He was blameless in his generation. It says Noah walked with God. And walking with God is called pleasing God. Noah was walking with God when no one else was. The whole world had become wicked but him. Can I tell you something? There are times on this planet when it feels like in this culture, in your lives, that everyone has lost their minds. Am I right? It feels like, am I the only sane one left? And can I tell you something? In a world and a culture of corruption and depravity and sinfulness, do not lose your fear of the Lord. Do not lose your reverence for God. Do not lose your commitment to what he's called you to do. You see, he's calling you to build some boats in your life. And when you are committed to building, it shows your fear of him. And I wonder how many of us have delayed or deferred from building that which God has called us to build. And when you do that, I'm telling you, you're actually walking away, and little by little, it's eroding at your fear of the Lord. And you know the boats that God has called you to build that you've been delaying in your life. And I want to tell you, if God said it, it's time to do it. If God spoke it, it's time to respond to it. Why would God wipe out a whole world of people? Can I tell you something? Because it had gotten that bad. Sometimes we look at this and we say, oh, the God of the Old Testament is different than the God of the New Testament. Can I tell you, it's the same God. There was no other option here. A whole planet of people rebelling, losing the fear of God, turning their back on God, violence, depravity, a destruction, death, murder, pain. And God says, I have to do something. It was his mercy that set this in motion. I think that so often there are many of us that are looking for the blessing 
I mean, we all want a blessing. I want to be blessed. I want a blessing. I'm looking for the blessing from God. But can I tell you, if you only pursue the blessing instead of the blesser, it's very easy to make what you're looking for and what you want to build and what you want to create the goal rather than the person that's called you to build it. And I think about my kids. You ever go to Build-A-Bear with your kids? I got a little girl. Yeah, I wish I'd said no. Um, I got a little girl. One time we went to Build-A-Bear. And it's like you attach all the parts and all the, you know, it's not fun. They love it. But for me, I'm like, this place is horrible. And uh, it takes forever. And then you're picking out outfits. And I'm like, this is not my thing. But I wonder how many of us in our relationship with God, we're like, we want to like build a bear. We want to build a blessing. So we're like. Oh, I'm just going to bounce from church to church to build my blessing, get a little bit here, a little bit there. And, and, and we, we're lacking commitment. And I wonder how many of us want to customize our own calling. We even want to customize Christ. We want to customize Jesus. We want him to fit into our box. But can I tell you, when you fear the Lord, you don't get Jesus to fit in your box. You fit in the box that he's called you to fit in. You're committed to what his word says above what you want or you feel. That's what the fear of the Lord looks like. It's a commitment to Christ. Not saying, oh, let me customize Christ to fit what I want. I mean, I think about when the crowds were in awe of Jesus' teaching. Why were they in awe of Jesus' teaching, the crowds? Because they saw him as one who taught with authority and not as the scribes or the Pharisees of their day who were just teaching it as rote. He walked with a different authority. And can I tell you, we need a church that isn't just cosmetic Christianity that isn't just looking the part on the outside, but fears the Lord so much that we're changing little by little on the inside. We don't just highlight our Bibles so that we look good. No, we dig into our Bibles so the Bible changes our hearts. We need a church that fears the Lord again. You see, building brings power. The second part of building that brings power to your life is building reveals your faith in the Lord. Reveals your fear of the Lord, and then it reveals your faith in the Lord. It says, Noah was a righteous man. He did not conform to the world. We know that it took Noah 100 years to build the ark. He's 500 years old. And for 100 years, he builds an ark. He builds a boat. You know where he was? A hundred miles from the ocean. 100 years to build. 100 miles from the ocean. It says, and if we read further in Genesis uh, uh, 7, I think, it says that the people, they begin to mock him because they've never seen rain. It says that water would rest on the ground in, in, the, in the morning. The dew, they would see it. Uh, and, and sometimes it would come out of the ground. But they'd never seen it rain. And Noah builds for 100 years, 100 miles from the ocean, and never sees a drop of rain. Can I tell you something? This took great faith. 
He was mocked by people. He was called crazy. And can I tell you, I know you've had moments of doubt in yourself after building what maybe you feel like you've been building for years and not seeing the blessing of the building. But just like Noah, while he was called crazy, he still stayed committed to what God was calling him to do. It used to be easy to be a Christian. I mean, it's never easy, but can I be real? Like in our culture, it used to be easy. Those days are long past, church. The days of it being culturally acceptable and culturally even cool and, and culturally okay to be a Christian are long gone. We are now in a post-Christian, post-modern world that is uh, literally antagonistic to the faith that you carry. And so now, more than ever, we need I heard this thing pop. I don't know what just happened. Now, more than ever, we need a church that will build the boats by faith that God is calling us to build. It's time for the church to pick up some hammers, put on a tool belt, get some nails, and get to work to build what God has called you to build. It takes faith. And I, I want to be real with you because some of us are waiting on the perfect environment to build. We're waiting for everything to be right, God. I'll build once I see the ocean start to fill up a little. I'll build once I see a little bit of rain come down. I'll build when maybe the streams are more full. I'll build when, when, when there's more things for me to see that make sense that a flood's really coming. That could have been Noah's perspective. He could have waited, but he's, he acted by faith. And I think there's some of you that have been waiting on the perfect circumstance, the perfect setting, the perfect setup to begin building what God has told you to build. And I just want to challenge you today that today you would say, all right, God, I'm done delaying. I'm done waiting. I'm done, done declining. Today, I'll pick up the hammer and I'll start building. Look at your neighbor and tell him again. Tell him it's hammer time, church. Tell him it's hammer time. I just need to make sure you're with me. Building reveals your faith in the Lord. I want to be known by my faith. Not that I do what makes sense all the time. Not that I do just what's easy. But by my faith. You see, building also reveals your willingness to do the work required by the Lord. Let's be real. It's one thing to get hyped and excited about your boat. Because when you first get that vision from the Lord, you're like, let's go. I see my boat. I'm going to start building. But when you've been building for six months, 12 months, 18 months, eight years, 10 years, 50 years, if you're Noah, 75 years, and the boat still isn't built, and the flood still hasn't come. Can I be real with you? That's when the work is not fun anymore. And I think there's a lot of you out there that God has called you to build boats, but once the work got hard, you quit. Once the work got tedious, you were done. Once you didn't see the fruit of the boat, you didn't see the fruition of the boat, the flood hadn't come. You say, you know, maybe I missed it. Even if God's saying, no, you haven't, keep working. But can I tell you, it's more about what God is developing in you than about the end result of the boat you see. 
It's about who you're becoming in the process of building more than the boat that God gave you the vision for. My boys, they're 10 and 9, and they have an addiction, church. Yes, they're addicted to so me, so me. If you don't know, so me, so me, you don't know. But uh, so me, so me is an ice cream place. And there's one not far from us um, here in uh, the south of the, the highway. We live in Land Park, but it's right, right here. It's not far. It's like five, five minutes from our house. And uh, they asked me every day to go to So Me, So Me. And it had been probably like a month and a half, and I just kept saying no um, because they'd just been way out of pocket. Um, my kids, you know, sometimes you just got to be like, no, y'all are trash right now, so no. Um, <laughs> so I've been saying no. Over and over, come on, they're 10 and 9, like, things are happening (laughs) in those boys right now, it's wild, but I blame the video games, but uh, (laughs) it's for real, But, but they've been begging me, and so they had a good week, we had a football game yesterday, and they had good attitudes, and so on the way home from the game, I said, all right guys, tonight, going to sell me, sell me, and they were hyped, man. It was crazy. They were jumping up and down. They were, they were going wild. And so we had dinner. Um, I grilled. And, uh, and, uh, and, we, and we had dinner. And when we finished dinner, we needed to empty the dishwasher and then do all the dishes from dinner and put them in. That's, that's my responsibility. Um, the wife does most of the cooking. I always do the dishes. And I make the boys help me. And so usually... They make up excuses. They got to go to the bathroom. It, it takes an hour to just empty a dishwasher. They get distracted. They can't focus. Well, last night, something amazing happened. I said, guys, after we empty the dishwasher, do the dishes. We're going to sew me, sew me. I've never seen a 9 and 10-year-old work so hard in my entire life. We finished it all in five minutes. Dishwasher's empty. They're literally sprinting through the kitchen. We're cleaning off the dishes. Boom, five minutes. We're at Somi Somi going hard. But I was thinking about it because so often we're willing to do the work if we know we'll get the results immediately. I mean, they were ready to work. Why? Because they knew they knew what was coming. They knew the results that they would get immediately. And I wonder how many of us in the church as God's people were willing to do the work until things get hard. We're willing to do the work until we don't see the boat finished. We're willing to do the work until our vision has not come to fruition. And then we go, you know what? I can't do this anymore. God, you promised me. And yet God's reminding us that sometimes you got to wait. That's why I love this song that we sung, like that's what happens when you wait. Because when we wait, God renews our strength. When we wait, God develops our character. When we wait, God grows us into who he's called us to be. It's not just about the boat. It's about who you're becoming in the process of building it. And today, church, we need to be a people that are willing to do the hard work required of the Lord. Because the Lord is requiring work of his people.
If we are just sitting on the sideline of our faith, watching everyone else do all the work, I'm wondering and I'm asking you, is your faith really real? The Bible says faith without works is dead. And I think too often in the church, we're on the sidelines of our faith, watching all the people do all the work, and we wonder why we're not receiving the blessings that we're asking for. And we wonder why we're not becoming who we thought we'd become. It says that Noah was so close to God that he was the only one God was talking to. If The keys would come back. Can you imagine a whole planet, God's talking to one person? One man. Why? Because Noah was the only one that feared the Lord. Noah was the only one that stayed close to the Lord. And I just want to remind us, I want to challenge us, because I think some of you are not hearing the voice of God, and it may be because you're too far from him. I don't want to be a Christian who never hears the voice of God. And today is a reminder that, that growing close to God also requires work. So many of us are just waiting on God to just come near to us. And God's saying, no, you must draw near to me. That's what the word of God tells us. It says, draw near to God and then he will draw near to you. And too many of us are waiting on God to come to us, and God's going, you got to come to me. I got to see your step of faith. I got to see your work towards me. You see, God's put some boats in your heart, but we got to be willing to do the hard work to build them. And I want to close with this. Building isn't just about what's on the surface. You hear me? It's not just about what's on the surface. It's not just about a cosmetic Christianity. If you don't build the boat, you may just die in the storm. That was the reality for Noah. He didn't know. He didn't know when the boat or when the flood was coming. He didn't know what it was going to look like. He didn't know 80 years later when it was going to happen. But by faith, he continued to build. Why? Because his faith was in God more than in what God was asking him to do. You see, sometimes God asks us to do things they don't make sense. And people will mock us for it. And it may not even yield a harvest for many years. But what I think is really happening is there's a lot of people in the church that are dying in the storm of purposelessness. You're dying in the storm. And the storm is you lack purpose. And can I tell you something? Your purpose is not found in the boat that you're building. Your purpose is found in the work that God has called you to do. We're so focused on what we're building and God's saying, no, what you need to focus on is obedience to what I'm asking you to build. It's not about the end result. It's not about the perfect acacia wood ark. The perfect wood is not about the boat. It's about the work God is asking you to do. Because when you just do the work, you walk in obedience. You see, we're so focused on the external, on the finished product, 
on the dream coming to fruition, on the vision that God gave us. And can I tell you something? It's not about what's on the surface. At the end of the day, the most important thing you are building is a relationship with the one true God. And I think too many of us are building a lot of earthly constructs and they're not connected to what God has asked us to do. They're not connected to who God is. And we wonder why we have no purpose because maybe you're building boats that are of your own creation. Maybe you're building boats that are of your own vision. And maybe today God wanted to give you something new, something fresh. He wanted to release a God boat in your life, a God vision for your life, a God dream for your life. And then he says, now just begin to work and let me worry about the results. We can't be so focused on the results that we miss what God has wanted to develop in us in the process. The boat of faith, church, is the boat we must be committed to building in our lives. You know, I was thinking about this and I, I shared it, referenced it earlier. Like, why would God do this? Kills everybody, except Noah. Is this a different God? The Old Testament God from the New Testament God. And it feels like God gave up on them. I've thought that, I've read that, I said, does... But, but then I'm like, does God give up on people? Does he give up on you? Does he give up on me? And I read in 2 Peter 3, 9, when it says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This was not what God intended. This was not God's heart. This was not God's best. This was not God's dream. And yet, he had no choice. But we see this here. And when I read this story, I'm reminded, no, this shows me the grace of God. This shows me the pursuit of God. This shows me that God didn't give up on humanity. Let's be real. If I had done this and seen what mankind had turned into, and there's one man left standing that still is in fear of me and reverent fear of me and loves me, I'm going, it's a wrap. But God didn't quit. He said, no, Noah, with you, I'm going to restore my covenant with humanity. And it says here in chapter 8, verse 21, when the, when the ark lands on land and Noah gets out and they begin to repopulate the earth, that God sends a rainbow and he says, I'll never do this again. God's promise to never do this again because his end goal is and always was covenant relationship with his people. His heart is that none should perish. And today I believe God wanted to speak to someone in this place that you've been building a lot of boats on this earth of your own construct, of your own dreams, of your own vision, but you've lost the boat of your faith, the boat of real relationship with him. And today he wanted to tell you and remind you and show you that he hasn't given up on you.
He's still pursuing you. He's chased you to this moment on this day in this place. And he wanted to say to you, I know I still have plans for you. Begin to build the boat of faith once again with me. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed across this room, I believe there's somebody here. You say, Kayla, I've been running from God. I've turned my back on God. I've pursued a lot of boats that had nothing to do with God. But today, I need to come back in a right relationship with Jesus. I need to give my life to Jesus for the first time. I want you to lift your hand if that's you. One, two, three, go. Put your hand up if that's you. Yes, 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 yes. You can put them down. Second thing, you say, Caleb, I know there's some boats that God has called me to build, and, and, and I've delayed, and I've disobeyed, and, and, and I've deferred, but today I'm done. I'm picking up a hammer. I'm putting on the tools. I'm ready to begin building what God has called me to build. If there's some boats in your life that you've been holding off on going after and building today, I want you by faith to say, I'm done. I'm going to start. Raise your hand right now if that's you. You need to pick up some hammers. You need to pick up some tools. Begin building the boats that God has called you to build. Yes, hands going up all around the room. You can put them down. Would you stand to your feet, church, all across this place? Stand to your feet. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Everybody in here, say this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I'm a sinner, but today I confess my need for a Savior. Forgive me. Change me. Make me new. Today... I commit to build the boat of my faith. Today, I'm picking up the tools to build the boats you're calling me to build. I love you, Jesus. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all these people that responded by faith. We're going to sing. Before we go, I'm going to invite the prayer team forward. Here's what I want to do. I know a lot of you raised your hand because there's boats you've been delaying, deferring from building. Maybe even you've been disobedient to God. Or maybe you raised your hand to receive Jesus. Let's solidify what God has stirred in your heart to do. I want you to come forward. Maybe tell them, I, I need to build this boat. Or maybe tell them, I gave my life back to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. I need to build the boat of my faith more. I want you to come solidify this decision or this, this thing that God has spoke to your heart today before you go that way. So let's sing. And if God spoke to you, I want you to step out in faith and come and let, let us pray for you. So come on, church. Lift your voice and lift your hands. Come and let's be prayed for today. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.